Hello and welcome back to the Holtz cast. It's time to discuss Aston Villa's 3-0 win over Fulham, as well as look ahead to their upcoming EFL Cup fixture against Stoke City on Thursday. Danny, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling good, Cole. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, I'm buzzing like i think like i think maybe i saw you tweet this it's a false sense of security like i kind of feel uncomfortable being in this situation like we're relatively quote-unquote successful we're in the top four we're fourth place i will take that uh we have a positive four goal differential never thought i would see that at any point in a season it's been so long um aside being in the championship of course um (laughs) It's just, it's good feelings. Of course, we have Liverpool next on Sunday, so that could become kind of a crashing down back to reality kind of thing. But uh, yeah, we've won and we're moving on. So what were your kind of thoughts heading into this game? How'd you feel about it? Yeah, no, look, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm happy that we've that we've got the, the you know, the, the six points from the first two games. But I think we need to put it into perspective as well. You know, this is uh first game against was against Sheffield United, ten man Sheffield United, and obviously second one was against Fulham. These are two games which we, you know, at the start of the season you look at and you go, these are must win games, right? These are the games or the teams that we're expected to beat. To beat, um, obviously the game against Liverpool is going to be way more of a test for Villa, but so far there's not much you can argue with. It's four games and four wins if you're including the cup games. Also clean sheet um our first clean sheet in in our last 27 away premier league games and you know that's crazy right um it's and it's and it's it's good to see that um yeah it's good to see that things are improving i think more than anything yeah like i i think the thing we can both agree on like instantaneously danny is the fact that these are the games, i.e. Sheffield United and Fulham, where last season, I don't know, like, I feel like this would have been a game that we probably would have drawn, even though we probably should have won. And you look at the Sheffield United game, that's easily a game we would have drawn or probably lost. So, like, some people kind of put it into context and are saying, like, hold on, these are only first two games, like, take it for what it is. But, like, I do agree with that. But at the same point, these are marginal steps that we're taking, and it's clearly working. And I I think that's all we have to ask for this season. I don't care if we finish, honestly, 15th or 10th. As long as we're comfortable and we've made progress, I think we just have to make those little leaps and bounds every year to get back to where we need to be. But, Danny, let's actually get right into the first goal because it comes within the first four minutes. Uh, McGinn plays a tidy through ball over to Jack Grealish, and Jack Grealish makes Ariola look like a bit of a fool in my honest opinion, kind of slid sideways awkwardly at Jack Grealish to, to try to stop it. But nonetheless, Grealish slots it away and we're one nil up um, an interesting really start to the game, because even before that, like we were a little bit all over the place. We looked like um, we'd be on the back foot. And even statistically this game, of course, we look like we're on the back foot, but it was a different story. But getting back to the goal, Danny, what were your thoughts mm-hmm. on how Grealish took it? And how'd you feel right after it went in? Yeah, I thought it was a good team goal. First of all, I just thought, you know, as much as Jack Grealish has done brilliantly there, John McGinn's assist was was beautiful. The way that was just gone over the Fulham defence. But immediately, you just think Villa's come out there straight away with, with more intensity. And that's that's great to see. You know, you, you, you want Villa straight in there with the energy. You want Villa to put something away. And, you know, for Jack, um, I don't think he scores many Premier League goals. Or I don't think he's... Um, 
well, I don't think he had done actually since that West Ham. You know when that West Ham game um, happened at the end of the season, he went through yeah. a long period of time before that where he hadn't scored anything. So oh, I think for months. him to get yeah. yeah exactly. So for him to get one in and tuck it away uh, against against Fulham was it's it's good for him because it means that maybe next few games now he's he's already seen the net something perhaps that you know a couple of uh, players in our team would also need to do but I think I think for for for, for Grealish to do that is brilliant uh, great great finish straight away you know that Villa are going in there to to win get the three points and I think uh, yeah I just want to see that intensity I want to see more of it. No, 100%. Like, we're playing with a purpose. Like, I, I think the whole telling tale of this, and maybe some listeners can already tell, is Fulham are in massive danger. Like, I think they've already shifted 11 goals this season or something in three games. Like, that's insane. Um, and to be honest, that could have really been us if <laughs> for certain situations. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely last season. But, like, it's just amazing how we were able to basically play on the back foot initially and then just kind of use the the few opportunities instantly and convert that. And I think that was the biggest issue last season, Danny, because Mm. we weren't, we're still, we're still not fantastic in possession. I think the Sheffield United result was kind of, um, I'd almost put like an asterisk beside it because of the, the down to 10 men, of course, the man advantage for Villa, like you're going to have, 80 odd percent or high 70 odd percent of the ball when you have a man advantage but when you're in these situations where a team like Fulham who you can say they try to play nice football it just doesn't always come off I think I don't know if they're really known for that but they at least try it and obviously today it didn't come off with three at the back for them but we're just converting this season the few opportunities we get and that's a massive difference compared to last season and to be honest for as long as I can remember but let's get on to the next goal because it literally comes what 11 minutes later in the 15th minute um you had her hand slotting it home Grealish cuts in nicely from the left feeds it to McGinn and McGinn feeds it on nicely to her hand who puts it beautifully in the right hand side of the net right past area had no chance on it and to be honest I was astounded that he had that much time to turn around and convert in the box maybe that kind of speaks to them having three at the back as in Fulham but uh, Danny, what were your thoughts on the goal? Of course, we'll we'll get into this one next. And how yeah. are you feeling about it? Of course. So um, this is great again. Really good team move. A lot of one-touch football being being played there. I think Jack Grealish obviously pushing for it. Uh, you know, pushing forward even uh, with the run. I think it was great to see the way that John McGinn jockeyed that and just kept the defender off the ball. Uh, and for Connor Howran to just pop up, he seems to know where to be. He's always at the edge of the box, isn't he? When he's when he when he's ready to kind of uh, pop in with a with a finish. And one thing about Connor Howran, we always say this about him, perhaps isn't the most busy player on the pitch, but he knows where the net is. Somehow or other, he knows where the net is. He's got a good assist on him too, uh, and I think he's he's kind of like that. I don't want to say maverick. But he's he's kind of like that uh, unknown quantity, isn't he, in that Villa team? He's that he's that player who you can't quite explain, but something about him just works. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. No, like I hundred percent agree with that. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not sure what Conor Harahan's role exactly is, 
but I know he does it well. <laughs> well, hasn't he scored? Isn't there a stat going around that he scored the most goals within this current squad? Like if you go through his career with Villa so far, I'm pretty sure that's surprised. accurate. Yeah, because you know in the championship he was you know consistently banging him in for us. Well, see, that's what I mean, Danny, because, like, a lot of people do get on his back, and I, like, I've always been an admirer of him at his time at Villa, of course. I'm not going to pretend that I watched him at Plymouth or wherever he was before that at Barnsley. Like, I'm not going to pretend I followed his whole career or anything like that, but he's proven himself. He's t- Long story short, he's taken the hard way to get where he is right now. He's proven himself and excelled at every level he's played at, and he deserves to be where he is right now. He's proven it again today. And maybe we'll talk about actually, yeah, we will talk about him for a little bit right now, because a lot of people kind of wonder, like, where does he really fit into this team? Should he be a starter? Should he be coming off the bench? Where does he fit? Because we know how great he is at converting penalties when it comes to free kicks and set piece opportunities. Like we know what he can offer, but I I think a lot of people are wondering, Danny, is having someone on the pitch that can do that and that alone worth to keep him on the pitch if that makes sense like just to have those assets and he's you know he obviously is missing a few things he maybe would want someone in his position to do but to have someone give those dead ball opportunities it kind of it kind of makes you wonder doesn't it yeah i don't know like it's it's an interesting one i think i think the thing with 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 connor is that you know if villa bring in a new midfielder he's going to be the first one to kind of pop out isn't he Oh, 100%. McGinn's and, back to normal. We'll get back to that in a second. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think I think I think with Aurahan, he's kind of like he seems to be that link between the midfield and the and the forwards. Like he, he's not. It's not like he's lazy. He'll get back and defend and do what he do what he needs to do. But you're not going to see him putting in a you know an amazing slide tackle in the way that uh, Douglas Louise or a John McGinn or a Nakamba is. But what I do like about him is his movement seems to be seems to be on point. You know, when when Jack Grealish is moving forward, Conor Harahan knows where to be. Uh, he knows, you know, how to be dangerous when when linking up with the striker. It is a strange one. I will give you that. But as I say, he just seems to know where the net is and he just seems to know how to get assists to his name. It's just that you won't notice him for large parts of the game. But what I think I think he definitely has a bit of a winning mentality and I think he's a very competitive player because you know every time he gets subbed off or um every time he uh every time he comes back in the team after being taken out he just looks so motivated and I think even if he's not starting he's always going to be a good option from the bench as well. Yeah, like I I think his my biggest criticism of him last season was that of course He'd have a place in the team for a little bit, and of course he'd have a like an amazing first game, an all right second game, and then just kind of tail off, and then he fall out of the team. Gets back in, has another outstanding game, and then of course does the same thing in the second game, and then falls out again. Like he hits these peaks, and of course you can never expect any player, even someone like Grealish or whoever, to just have an amazing game every single match, unless you're Messi or someone like that. Even then, players have their off days. So, like, I understand that aspect. But I think for this season especially, now that we're bringing in higher caliber and quality players, and, like, I think the other kind of point I was getting to about last season is there's no one to really push him. Like, 
drink water like he can't stay fit for like five seconds Nakamba's gonna play a holding role you wouldn't really put him further no. up the pitch because he just can't hold on to the ball for long enough uh, I don't want him to hold on to the ball for long enough to be honest so like I and I think Connor can probably be honor with them with honest with himself if I can get that out correctly too and he probably knows that someone is probably on their way in in the midfield as well it just seems like that's what's gonna happen next that's what all the rumblings seem to be with Loftus cheek or Barkley or whoever might come in so I wouldn't be surprised if someone of that ilk comes in next but that does benefit her as well because like we've said I don't know how many times the more competition the more quality we're going to get out of these players it's going to push them on and I think that helps for him because if in my opinion if someone like a loftus cheek or Barkley comes in and Hurahan just keeps having fantastic games, it might keep one of them out. It might shift over to McGinn. Like we don't know. Like no, but we saw that today, right? Like, we saw we yeah. saw that because because Bertrand Traore comes in against um who was it? Yeah, Bristol City goes yep. and scores that goal. Good game, fair play, oh, right? S- such a goal. But, <laughs> yeah, it's not such a great goal, but like at the same time, you know, we see the starting lineup. He's not in the starting lineup. Trezeguet starts. Trezeguet's been in good form. I mean, he had a good game again against uh, against against Fulham. Yeah, maybe he didn't pop up, you know, up front as much as he you might you would have seen, but he might have got an assist today. Um, and also, he made a couple of good tackles. Right? Dean Smith hasn't gone right. I've signed Bertrand Traore for 17 million. Get out of the squad, Mahmoud. Do you know what I mean? That's not what's happened. Dean Smith's gone well. You know what? You're playing well as it is. Keep playing well. And <laughs> you know, uh, keep keep Bertrand at the team. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think I think I think I think they're fair like that. And John John Terry even after that um, Bristol game said, "Look, you know, now that there's more talent around, and now that there's now we've you know upgraded in that sense, uh, the lads are way more competitive, and it just inspires better performances." Well that and it increases our quality coming off the bench now that is obviously something we still need to improve on but it's so nice now to know Trezeguet worked his bollocks off today and I thought he actually had a pretty good game like I didn't really have any issues with him like he works hard I don't know ever since restart he's kind of come on to one and just shown a completely different side maybe it was a betting in period who knows but like he's showing something different and it's just so nice to see him coming off and then Traore coming on, like, it's just such, like, and when he comes on, too, like, the difference in quality is astounding. Like, nothing against Hata, nothing against Algazi. Like, I respect for what they've done. Like, thank you for your service. Of course, Algazi will still be here, I would assume. Uh, Hata, maybe not, with how things seem to be going on media speculation-wise. But, like, it, it just, it's that time to improve the, quali- uh, the quality of the team and kind of lessen the quantity, because... At some point, you kind of have to shift one way or another and make a decision of how you want to go. So I'm happy in that regards. But let's get on to, uh, you know, actually, let's get on to the the disallowed goal for Fulham because, yeah, in my that. opinion, it's a it's a disallowed goal. Like, but that's kind of what you expect of Mitrovic as well. Literally, was all over Konza and just kind of bullied him to the ground. Yeah. Um, I guess the one thing, Danny, shouldn't Martinez have done better? Does it fall on Tyrone Mings? Like. Where yeah, does, I don't want to blame anybody, but like, where does it lie with them? Because I think a lot of people were feeling once that went in, like, oh my God, Martin has had an error. Like, what's that going to do? Like, now we're going to lose. Like, uh, I'm not going to lie. I think a few people felt that way. I feel like it's a bit unfair 
because that goal gets disallowed. So I think I think what happens is the ball comes in for Mings. Mings trying to get to the ball. He sees Cons is down. So he he now knows. Oh no, I've got to mark two players now. So I think I think at that with that panic, Mings doesn't head it out because he's kind of in the way of Martinez. Martinez thinks Mings is going to get his get his head to it. Martinez is shocked, but he manages to save the ball with his stomach almost. I don't think it's a fumble. I think it's I think he's tried to get to the ball and obviously off the rebound, um, it's tapped in by Cordova Reed. But I think I think it's one of those where it's like if Konza doesn't go down, if Mitrovic doesn't bundle Konza, are we gonna be in that situation in the first place? That's what I don't know. If I'm a Vula, if I'm a Fulham fan, I'm very upset there. Because yeah, Mitrovic does not need to do that. Well, uh, like to get on to kind of a Fulham perspective for a second, I've never seen a team three games into a season already have their heads down. Like I don't know if you caught that, but there are a few instances, and I'm like, like th- like this Fulham side are already like how 2020 as a year is. Like if if you're gonna compare a team right now, they're <laughs> they're up and around there <laughs> in thought, terms I mean, I of thought, luck. I thought they were fighting, but I think I think they just came here with the worst attitude. Like when 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 they went down. There was more of an emphasis on fouling Villa and, you know, just having basically just mistimed challenges all over the place rather than doing what they should have done, which was concentrating on <laughs> on getting a goal. You know, Villa Villa were patient and, and I don't think Fulham could keep up with that patience. That's six bookings, Cole. Like it, there was it just wasn't just wasn't right. Like they just they, they were just all over the place. Well, I think the thing with them too, Danny, and like I don't want to get too deep into Fulham because, of course, Fulham fans could be listening to this and tell us we know nothing. That's fair enough because I don't know a load about Fulham. I'll, I would never say I do, but like when I look at them, they are so championship. Like, um, you know, let's bring up the the Tony the Tony Khan tweet now or tweets um, now because it kind of all ties in together. Um, I'm very glad you brought this up to me because I was almost forgot to bring it up. <laughs> He basically, if no one has seen it yet, I highly recommend going on Twitter and looking at them because he basically just, well, said like, sorry, we'll play better going forward. Like our signings haven't worked out um, with the COVID stuff, yada, yada, yada. And then people are kind of saying, fair enough. Some people saying like, what's going on transfers? And he basically just kind of gave the whole playbook away to the mass public of saying this is why they haven't signed like five different players, um, injuries, COVID, yada, yada, yada. So, um an interesting perspective of how to, in my opinion, put pressure on your manager. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. like, gets you know, I think I think two goals in. I think as as Villa fans, we've seen maybe maybe we've seen Fulham play already twice this season, and the overwhelming thing was that the defense was not all there. When Villa go two up, you kind of think, okay, it was a bit too easy. Yeah, you know, by the time the third goes in as well, at that point you're thinking, what is going on? You know, as as good as Villa have been so far this season, we I don't think Villa even got out of second gear. I don't even think we Barely. got out of first gear. Like it, like they're just the 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 whole Fulham tactics that I got from today. It was so easy to defend. It was literally lump it up to Mitrovic and see what happens. Because as soon as the ball really fell to anyone else, like the quality is just like it's not there. But the centre like, backs they just couldn't keep up with anybody, could they? Well, I think this is the first time, I could be wrong, but I think this is one of the first times they've tried playing three at the back. 
So I don't, it could have been an over kind of estimation of Villa kind of being a little cocky saying this is the time we're going to switch formations and start going into this format no, and move forward. And pardon? They were scared. That's why they went five at the back. Yeah, but like, Not I don't even know if it's scared or stupidity. Like, I, pff, I, I don't know. Like, it's one of those situations when I look at it and you're playing your fullbacks as wingbacks when they're not really wingbacks and you don't have the most mobile center backs. And like, I'm not going to sit here and say Villa are amazing by any means. Cause we've already kind of said, like we didn't really have to get out of second gear. It's just like, they're just a mess. And I, and I think we're going to see a lot of this, this season kind of going back to Villa is I think when you're looking at no fans in the stadium, I think like, of course we saw it after project research started, I think it's going to have more of an impact. I think you're seeing uh, shorter preseasons coming into effect because I still think te- some teams are treating this as their preseason in that mentality. <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> yeah, well, according to Pep Guardiola, um, yeah, apparently Lester just sat behind the ball the whole time. Anyways, 5-2, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we don't have to worry but, about uh, them. We don't have to worry about them. We're, 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 we're top four. They're down yeah they're they're the they're mid-table fodder so we don't have to worry about that <laughs> oh god i can't wait till to watch us lose like five nil to liverpool and have a negative goal differential again or something um but before we get on to the third goal danny i'm just gonna go to twitter if you guys want to tweet us it's at 7500 to holt i asked um you guys to tweet us and let us well let you know let us know your thoughts, I should say, if I can get it out correctly, uh, your thoughts on the match. And I'll just read out uh, three I think I favorited here. So the first one is from Colin Frederick. Um, he says, fantastic win that we truly look dominant. I believe it's worth noting that Sheffield United and Fulham very well could be in the bottom three. Nonetheless, up the villa. Very excited about Traore. Um, so much flair. Um, the amazing Villa, as he is, I think it's a he, as he is so-called titled, um, saying Ollie may not have scored, or sorry, Ollie may not have scored, but he gallops like th- a thoroughbred and stretches play in that final third, allowing our midfielders to get forward and menace. Uh, absolute pedigree player. Once he finds the net, um, he'll be unplayable. And we'll get on to Watkins actually in a moment here, because I think that is a, a decent talking point. Um, and the final one comes from uh, Tabby saying great win and some good passages of play. But if we allow Liverpool that many crossing opportunities from their two fullbacks, we'll get battered. So, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, um, briefly um, kind of mention the Liverpool game on Sunday, but Danny, let's get on to the third goal and then we'll get on to Ollie Watkins because of course, Tyro Mings just kind of kills the tie right there. Just knocks it in kind of easy as you like, really. Like, our center backs were all over them. Come set pieces and kind of up the pitch. Makes it 3-0. Game, set, match. Like, our both our center backs have goals. Yeah. Confidence all over the pitch, don't you think? It's a habit now, isn't it? Konza yeah. scores the first week, and then Tyro Mings this time around. It's great to see. I don't remember uh, defenders having such presence in, from set pieces since we had... Uh, Richard Dunn and James Collins. That was that was an absolute madness. Before that, it was Lawson. I think in general we all we've always had a defender who can who can do that, and I think we we possibly haven't had that for the last ten years or so. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it was good to see. Maybe this is again this is it. You know, when you come back to that Tony Khan tweet about Fulham wanting centre backs and needing centre backs. Like, why is Tyrone Mings allowed to run from where he has done 
straight through the Fulham defence to a point where all he needs to do is tap the ball in. Well, I mean, come on. It was too easy. There was there was one instance of play later in the second half that I noticed when Fulham would press up, uh, whether it was Mitrovic, Calviero, um, Decor, Reed, whoever. Um, when they would press, there was one instance where I think Mings played it to Konza. Konza played it back because he didn't have an option to the right. And he, like Mings was easily able to literally bypass the forwards in the midfield and hit it. I think, I think it was right to either Watkins or um, would have been Trezeguet. Like yeah. it was like the easiest ball. And I'm thinking like, there's no way like any other team in this league. Well, well I guess we'll wait and see if maybe I, I have to fix that statement eventually, but like, there's no way that should get through. Like, it's just, I, I don't want to say it's different calibers of players, but the way our two center backs and cons and Mings are playing right now, it just looks like they're completely different players uh, prior to last season. I should Premier say League probably experience as well, though, isn't it? It's Premier League experience. They've 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 had the chance to 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 play together in the Premier League. So at the at the end of last year, and I think Fulham, when you look at it, they they've got those jitters, man. They've got the. This is not a good season to come up, is it? No, you know, without the fans, it's around hard you. to buy players. It's so hard to buy players right now. It's even harder to sell them because you can look at our situation. Like, of course, um, like Samat is gone. Uh, don't know the full details of that. We definitely took a loss on that. That's obvious. It didn't matter if we're in COVID or not. We've had like, to pay a lot of money. Didn't a lot of money. Yeah, like it, you look at. Um, well, I guess Hot is the exception because I think like that didn't really cost us what two million or whatever it was. Like it's minimal um Lansbury I guess like I guess if you look at the long term it's kind of a negative as well like there's it's just going to be so hard for every team to shift players that they don't want like you're going to have to almost make the deal even more um appealing to the other potential squad that wants to buy them in order to shift them on like it's just a tricky market but getting on back to the game let's get Ollie Watkins because you said jokingly that you were uh, you and your dad weren't impressed with him. <laughs> no, I didn't say I wasn't. I said my I said my dad wasn't. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I do well, apologize. That's because you know, to a lot of people, you know, traditionally the striker is there to be the one scoring the goals. Now, Ollie Watkins um, wasn't scoring the goals today. He didn't he didn't put away you know a number of opportunities that he did have. I think I think the most notable one was probably the Trezeguet ball across the six yard box, which Ollie Watkins didn't quite get to. And you know we we know him as a bit of a finisher. I think the other one was the header that whistled wide. But listen, for me he was getting in those positions, and it was really encouraging to see. I I know he didn't put anything away, and this might come across as like you know not a compliment, but it is. I don't ever remember a game where a Villa striker has had that many chances, genuinely. Not for a while. I mean, not. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about in the last season, you know, in the Premier League. I can't remember a game where where a striker's had that many chances. I think as well, if Ollie Watkins missed all those chances and also was missing for the rest of the game, and that's the only time we saw him, then it might be an issue. But it, you know, I think in general, Watkins brought so much to the general play of the game. And it's how I feel about Keenan Davis a lot of the time as well. Where it's like, it's 2020, man. If your striker's going to be the one to help create opportunities, so be it. As long as that ball ends up in the back of the net, 
<laughs> what's the issue? Do you know what I mean? I think, and I think, I think just Ollie Watkins' general play was 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 brilliant. You know, he's he's so good on the ball. Um, you'd be forgiven for thinking, you know, if you look from afar, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was Jack Grealish on the ball. The the way that Ollie Watkins carries it sometimes, uh, the way he somehow, despite you know not being incredibly tall, the way he somehow manages to make something of those goal kicks and and uh, you know battle against the defenders. And also, he's a, he's a he's a he's another foul drawing machine. Every time yeah. he seems to, you know, have an opportunity to get through, <sighs> the defenders have no choice but to pull his shirts. It's two, it's two two weeks in a row that's happened. So I think there's a player there uh, personally. But oh, um, yeah. I what I what I what I was saying was on Twitter, what I don't want is for this to become a thing. You know. Mm. Oh, Ollie Watkins needs to get his first Premier League goal. Oh, it's four games in. It's another Still, Wesley thing, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And look what happened once Wesley got his goal, man. He's he looked like he was gonna get going again. I just think that for Ollie, he needs to get that needs to get that Premier League goal as soon as possible because hey, we know he's we know he's got the talent. He's already done it for us in the cup games. But um, thirty million pounds, man, it's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Oh, hundred percent, like. I, like if we kind of compare the two and like, of course, Watkins and Wesley, everyone, not everybody, but a lot of people aside from you, Danny, because I know he's your man crush. I haven't said that in like, it feels like a year. So I had to say that. Um, so I'm going to say that proudly. But uh, like everyone, it felt like almost got on his back, like instantly from literally the first kick of the ball against Spurs. That, that's what it felt like to me. Now. I don't know what it is about Watkins. Like, oh, I know what it is about Watkins that people are giving more patience to because, like, it's so obvious to see. Like, the opportunities he creates, the chances out of nothing that just seem to pop up, his pace and power on the ball, his link-up play with the likes of Grealish and the rest of the midfield, and, of course, Trezeguet on the other side of the wing. Like, like. It's clear that he's going to score goals. Of course, time will tell. Like we, someone could snap this up, and he still hasn't scored in like two months or something. And then we're all saying, "What a flop!" or something. Like it's it's something we can't predict. But like he's in a way better starting situation than Wesley. And I guess I could have said that at the start to probably save thirty minutes of pointless ranting. But like it's just he's at a better starting point. And in my opinion, he's probably a bit more quality. In my opinion. I like that's just how I see now that is someone that's already played the English game beforehand and versus Wesley who has never and coming from the Belgian league. So you're of course you're only you're coming from the championship. So it's still a step up, but it's not as much of a step up as the Belgian league. You could easily argue in my opinion. So it'll come. I'm not worried if he's even if he's creating chances and getting assists and we're still scoring as long as we're winning honestly I don't care he could have zero goals and like 15 assists or something I don't care like I just want us to win I want us to be successful I want us to be comfortable and I want us to kick on exactly look Keenan Davis for is 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 an example of this right I'm not saying I want Watkins to go on a Keen go on a Keenan Davis goal thing. Uh, when I see people on on Twitter like talking about, oh yeah, he's only scored this many goals in like 30, 40 games or whatever it is, I don't care because every time you watch you watch either of them on the pitch, do you know what I mean? If 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 you watch if if you judge it per game and they seem to make a positive impact on the team, then fine, you know I'm okay with it. You know, the, you know the way that Villa play as well. It's 
there's this whole space creation thing, isn't it? It's like you draw a couple of players so that he manages to get himself some space. That's why like the wingers are always coming in for goals, like Trezeguet or Jack Grealish. It's because somebody's marking the striker and then Trezeguet's on the edge of the box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man- managing to managing oh, yeah. to find the back of the net. It's mm-hmm. that's that's why that forward three, I think Dean Smith likes it so much because each of them can drag defenders out, just break the shape of the other de- of the defense. And in in many ways, it's the guy that's leading the line that does that better than anybody else. The other thing I found interesting with Watkins um, was, did you see how far he was dropping deep today? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Um. Mm, like from what I saw personally, it kind of felt like the whole team kind of dropped back. And then as soon as Martinez got the ball, he literally like ran like lightning and Martinez, we actually, maybe we can talk about this too. Martinez delivery today is excellent. Like the amount of times he would ping it to the far left in Fulham's end and Watkins would be on the end of it. Like it's just great reading of the, the play by both players. You can say, but from kind of going back to that, your question about the position thing and Watkins dropping deep, I even look at Grealish and even Trezeguet at points. Like at one point or a few points, you could say there's times where we had like no one up the pitch. But when we broke, we broke as a unit. And I think that's something even different from what we saw last year, where I don't know how many times, Danny, we would say Wesley's by himself and there's no support and Grealish can't get close to him because he's just getting closed off. Yeah, it was big time. And, yeah. What I've noticed, it's kind of, I can't really talk about the Sheffield United game too much because it, it's hard to really take that out of it when you had so much possession, as we've said already a few times. But, like, if you're going to break as a unit, link the ball off one another and to create opportunities out of arguably nothing than it is to... It, the game's changed so much where you can't always just link it up and hit it up to the big man. He's going to hold it up long enough to just knock it onto a Grealish or a Trezeguet or kick it back to the midfield to him again, a Hurahan or even a Douglas Louise a little bit further and behind. Like we're, we're kind of moving forward with kind of almost in like triangles or squares. If you ever kind of pay attention to that, we're, we're giving opportunities. And that's the one thing I've noticed, especially with Watkins's movement and even kind of speaking to the wider team is the opportunities around the opposition box. Like, her hands goal especially. So, of course, Grealish is coming into the box. He's making that opportunity initially. Now you have McGinn open, her hand. Uh, Watkins wasn't too far away as well. And I believe uh, Douglas Louise was sitting on the edge of the box. So there's about four options there that, okay, maybe Louise isn't in the goal scoring opportunity. But there's players open, and that is the biggest difference. And Danny, before we kind of wrap things up and briefly we'll talk about Stoke because, of course, that is on Thursday. We're one uh, went away from moving on to the, what, round of 16, if I do believe so, myself. So before we get on to that, who is your man of the match against Fulham? I think you you could be half tempted to kind of go for Emmy Martinez purely for that save, but um, I'm not going to do that. I think Matty Cash's tackles, that was one thing that, was re- that I really enjoyed, the way that he was just getting stuck in. I thought he did a really good job of shutting off Fulham. I think the entire midfield, you know, can, can give themselves a pat on the back. Grealish's runs again were, were, were magnificent, but I think I'm going to give it to John McGinn. John McGinn, you know, absolutely bossed that midfield, you know, really did. And the assists that, that, that he came out with were brilliant. I think obviously the first one for Jack Grealish was, 
It's great to see in that second one as well, that layoff to Conor Halloran. More than anything, this was the John McGinn that Villa fans grew to love. This is the John McGinn that was starting to appear at the end of that uh, post-lockdown part of the of last season. This is the John McGinn that we obviously missed whilst he was injured. And I think despite all of the, you know, little niggling bits of criticism from fans, I think that he's uh, really come out there and showed a lot of character. And I think for me, uh, he was the standout player in the game. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, first of all, that pirouette is forever, like, a highlight, a meme, whatever you want to do. That was naughty. Like, that... Like that is that is like you are getting yeah okay I'm not gonna go down that route because it's gonna be inappropriate but anyways that's, you, that's what the people get what I mean killing it that's what happens when you're like when you're that comfortable in a game that's when you have that much confidence and perhaps he finally feels like his old self I think that's the biggest thing if I'm gonna say man of the match I'll have to give it to uh, Connor today uh, oh, really? 100%. Yeah, 100%. He, of course, had a goal and assist. He assisted the Mings goal. I forgot to mention that earlier. So, uh, and a goal and an assist, yeah, creating opportunities, looking deadly from set pieces. Um, I, I didn't really put a foot wrong and more made that come because uh, he's just on one since the start of this season. So, very happy with that. I have to, you kind of just have to when you have stats like that, especially, and you don't put a foot wrong, in my opinion. So, We'll give it to him, uh, but Danny, let's we'll briefly move on to Stoke because it's on Thursday, so mm-hmm. we'll just kind of tie this in. What's your score prediction on that, and how are you feeling about it? We're sleepwalking into uh, another good cup run, aren't we? I don't want to. I don't want another final because we're going to end up getting dumped out if we do. Um, no, I'm kidding. I think Stoke. I think Stoke's going to be an interesting game for sure. I think the they. You know, they're, they're starting to build a bit more of a reputation in terms of, you know, playing a bit of football. Michael O'Neill's done a decent job there. They've got some interesting players in John Obi McCall uh, playing for them. And yeah, I think how they do, I mean, they, 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 they got the one nil win over Wolves, which obviously was quite a shock to people. You know, they also got that win over Newcastle United. And I think that they're showing that they're capable and they're doing it in a very Stoke City way, <laughs> you know, one nil victories. So my only thing here is I think Villa have more goals in them than, than say, Wolves or Newcastle at the moment. I think that's that's the thing. Funnily enough, Villa are scoring right now. And uh, because of that, I, I, I am pretty confident they'll they'll beat Stoke City. But uh, yeah, no, Stoke have been really, really good defensively. I think the only goals they conceded... Yeah, no, the only goals they conceded were first game of the season against Burton and two against Bristol City. Other than that, they've been so solid. Well, that could be because of James Chester too, though. So we're, we're facing obviously yeah. our, our former captain, our leader at the back, John Terry's ex-defensive partner, uh, centre-back pairing partner, I should say. So like, it's going to be interesting from that perspective. Of course, you're seeing a, a few uh, familiar faces, ex-Premier League stars, of course, as you've previously touched on. Um, then again, can I, just, can I just correct myself really quick? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that 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 even the 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 Burton game that I just mentioned that was a club friendly, so that doesn't even count. Well, there you go. It's even more impressive. It, like, they're still a club in my opinion that are maybe trying to kind of 
swing in the right direction, trying to find their exact identity. And I think right now is they're trying to find that experience of experienced kind of elder elder statesmen in the game and younger players that can obviously kick on and kind of lead the line and obviously get them higher up the table and obviously back to the Premier League where they want to be. So it's going to be an interesting one. I'm not going to pretend to know loads about Stoke and all this cut stuff because I think when everyone thinks of Stoke, we think of Tony Pulis, but those days are, of course, long, long gone. But nonetheless, I'm going to go with a... Oh, do I want to be bold and say another clean sheet? I feel like we're getting arrogant here if we say that. So <laughs> I'll go with a, a 2-1 Villa win. I think, I think that's fair, Danny. I don't know how you feel, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, as I say, they beat Newcastle United in that friendly earlier this season. They got the 1-0 win over the Wolves. <sighs> I think that Villa, what I'm worried about is the burnout. Played too much football. It's just coming thick and thin, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just, that's what's worrying me. Now, Villa have almost had a B team to put out, haven't they, each game? I think what Villa will probably do is maybe rest Jack Grealish again, maybe rest John McGinn, maybe even rest Ollie, rest Ollie Watkins. But I think what we're probably going to see is Bertrand Traore get another big run out, and I think it's going to be his game to win. So I think I'm going to go for a Bertrand Traore assist, Ooh. Keenan Davis goal, Ooh. Villa. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting excited go all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, oh. you know what? I really, really like like both Keenan Davis and Bertrand Traore. They both look like just brilliant options off the bench. And, and I, hope played, they, actually, I hope they shine on them. Sorry. No, no worries. I was just going to say, they actually played really well off each other in that uh, cup game against Bristol City. So maybe that's something more things to come in the future as well. So I, th- I think that's fair too. I think Stoke will give us a better game than Bristol City. You know, Bristol basically showed up. I mean, I, I this is for what I don't know what's happened, but nobody's been showing up against Villa this season. It feels like we've been turning up to every game expecting something tense. And well, you know, you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen, Danny. We're gonna we're gonna turn into the Leicester of a few seasons ago. We're going for it all. <laughs> okay, I can't I can't say that that seriously, but yeah, I, I think we're all on a high right now, but it's like kind of an uncomfortable, unexpected high. So we kind of have to, at the end of the day, Villa fans, just take it for what it is and enjoy it while we can, because I am ever so sure we're going to go through the odd rough patch because you are not a Villa fan or haven't experienced uh, Villa torture. Um, it's coming that's for sure but anyways guys let's wrap it up there we've been going on for uh, more than long enough thank you all for listening to another holt cast uh keep an eye on this space there's going to be a uh, probably a brief podcast announcement coming out in the next hopefully few days it'll probably be a few minutes long just explaining what's going on nothing we're not going anywhere uh just changing up feed things and formats on the podcast so nothing really to worry about you guys um but anyways we'll i'll explain that uh when that comes out of course thank you to danny for joining me as always find him on twitter at razajurno you can find me on twitter um, at talk aston villa all together we make up the holt cast follow the holt cast on twitter at 7500 to holt email us that has changed as well it's holtcast at gmail.com let's go on to thursday hopefully big results and of course liverpool on sunday another busy week but what do we expect and don't forget up the villa (laughs) 